Since taking the EFSA throne last summer, Dr Bernard Earle has become something of a pin-up boy for the so-called new Open EFSA. But exactly how far is this new executive director willing to take his vision of transparency? One key test came this July, when EFSA lost a four-year court battle with NGO Pan-Europe. The anti-pesticides campaigner wanted to know which experts made which exact changes to an opinion. EFSA argued this would violate personal data protection rules and threaten the integrity of experts. But after a series of appeals, the European Court of Justice ruled that society had the right to know who contributed what to its opinions. For Eldo, this decision could have serious implications for the scientific process. When we talk about openness and, so to speak, everything that we do should be live web streamed, which would be the ultimate openness. Every meeting, everything we do should be web streamed. That's not what we're planning to do, but that would be, so to speak, um, the maximum scenario. But then you have to ask the question, in a scientific process, which is what we call organized skepticism, the, the scientists must have the freedom to ask stupid questions out of the box, to challenge their peers, trial and error. That's the way science works. Science works. And there, I'm not convinced uh, whether we help the process of finding the nearest approximation to truth by putting every single question for the whole life of the expert on YouTube. So if you ask a stupid question, do you want to have this question until the end of your life recorded on YouTube? And there are two schools of thinking. The ones say, well, why not? The experts are the experts. They should have the guts to, to stick what they think and, and tell it. And the others say, yes, but if you always have the risk that you can be caught on your on the wrong foot, maybe the, the the discussion will be more mainstream. So people maybe would not dare to ask the most stupid question of the world, which maybe really leads to a progress because nobody thought about that. I think that science needs parts of the process in a closed room and then, yes, let's say many steps of the process in an, in an open atmosphere. But I think it also needs a protected room where they can speak completely freely, openly, challenge each other. That's also science. Maybe they just need to get used to it though. Yeah. Some people say yes, um, look at the food standards agency in the UK that is live broadcasted, everything works fine. Others say if you do this, the real decisions are taken in the corridors, at lunch, at dinner, and you, you could even have a fake discussion then if people play a role because they know it's, it's recorded. We are exploring, we are opening more and more, we have now open plenary meetings of our scientific panels also in Brussels, so people can come, can interact, can ask questions. I find this uh, a more appropriate way. A critical part of Earl's Open EFSA is the way in which data is collected and shared. EFSA is already in the process of collecting data from member states. In fact, by the end of 2014, its European Comprehensive Food Consumption Database contained consumption data for about 67,000 individuals from 33 surveys representing 18 EU countries. Commercial data, however, remains something of a sticking point. And with its pharmaceutical counterpart, the EMA, committed to publishing clinical trial data attached to applications for drugs from January, pressure on EFSA to follow suit is mounting. I think EMA has... Um gone, from my point of view, the right direction and the right steps mm. in, a, in a structured way. They don't open just the clinical trial database, they open it in a, in a stepwise way, so if you don't register you only get uh, 
you can download and print, but if you register, you can do more with the data. I find this very positive because it makes data re reusable for others, for, for other pharma companies, but also for researchers. So the idea is other people that look at this data and analyze this data will come to new knowledge that we don't produce. That's the real thing for me, to make this data reusable for others to create new knowledge. The question here more, how can we make this available in a structured way so that others can use and reuse the data? It's not super smart from my point of view, uh, just to, to, to put one million PDF documents on the web. For me, this is a, it's, it's not a real openness. That's fake. You, you just dump out the data, but nobody can work with it because it's not searchable, it's not structured. So a big task for us is to make this data structured in a way that others can intelligently use it. You could call this intelligent openness. And then is the part of the business confidential aspect of a dossier. And there, the, I think the companies obviously have a right to keep this confid confidential because it was their investment to create this intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And how far this confidentiality goes has to be negotiated with the Commission, with the applicant, and with EFSA. In, in this respect, I think the EMA has um, an easier environment because it's one industry, farm industry, with one very established uh, test system, clinical trials, and that's basically all they, they have and they make open to the, to the public. In EFSA, we have 35 different vertical legislations from food additives, feed additives, GMOs, pesticides, with very different systems of how to apply, how the dossiers look like. So it's, it's a much more colorful, but also complex world to make this approachable and, and searchable and reusable for the public. This process did not come without difficulties for the EMA, which faced various lawsuits from disgruntled pharma firms concerned about giving up commercial secrets to competitors. So we have to be prudent and there's a legal framework about uh, the protection of business confidential data and we have to work within this legal framework obviously as, as a EU institution but I, I think also for the for the companies this this, this is a journey mm -hmm. it's not now yes or no black or white it's a developing gray area where with I think we will have more and more open data that could be kind of creating a lot more legal work for the companies couldn't it yeah, but only under the condition that uh, people don't play according to the rules. And I think this will be the exception and not the rule. I, I, I don't expect this, actually. I think there will, there will, there will be grey areas, there will be maybe um, some court cases, could be. But the, the journey, I think, goes to, and this is follows also the, the EU um, strategy on single digital market, open data within the EU, to avoid duplication of work, to make data reusable for others. I mean, there are systems, and if you think of the patent system, this is exactly a system where you make your innovation available for others to use it, but maybe they have to pay a fee to use it. This was invented to make innovation open to others. You ask for a patent, it's protected, others can use it, but they have to pay for it. So uh, I, th I think it's, it's uh, inevitable. We will go along, along this road for, for open data. And EFSA will do this. But it's, it's not a journey for two weeks. Yeah. It's for years. We have to change our IT infrastructure. We need, we need um, agreements with the data owners. Mm -hmm. But it's um, a fascinating thing. Mm -hmm. 
and it will be good for, for Europe. How all this translates from idea to paper to action, however, remains to be seen, with a roadmap for this open EFSA to come.